Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we have joining us Suzanne Overstreet. And Suzanne, I'm just going to read your bio and then I'm going to let you kind of fill in some gaps for us here. But Suzanne started a health journey in February of 2018 with the goal of losing some weight and feeling comfortable on the campaign trail with her husband. What she didn't count on was a transformation in mindset, passion, and purpose. Now she is a full-time independent Octavia coach who helps others achieve their goals for a healthy body, healthy mind, and healthy finances. She has been interested in learning about the Enneagram for the past couple of years and now uses it in her health coaching with her clients to help raise self-awareness of how their fears and motivations can affect their health journey. Welcome, Suzanne, to our podcast. Thank you so much. I'm just thrilled to be here. I, I probably should have given you heads up on how to pronounce Optavia. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And listen, it I is a people, well. I tell people say the V loud, Optavia, yeah, because it's Optavia. actually Opta meaning optimal and Via meaning way. I love that. Oh. It's just a well-known factor on here that I don't know how to pronounce words because I learned so many through reading and not from actually hearing anyone say them. So there's <laughs> a lot of episodes where I don't know how to pronounce things. So this is nothing new. <laughs> Quite all right. Uh, quite all right. It's really a, a joke that we have in Optavia about people calling it Octavia because it really does look like that. I mean, we all probably started calling it that. So that's okay. I love that's that it. meaning of that. Yeah. So give us a little more uh, insight into what it is that you do and just you personally too. We'd like to know more about you. Thanks. So right in 2018, my husband was campaigning and I knew that we were going to be in the public eye a lot and walking in a lot of parades and just, I was very uncomfortable with that idea. So really my goal was just to lose some weight, you know, so I would feel more comfortable. But as I got into our program, I started understanding how important mindset and how connected mindset is to physical health and emotional health and, and even bringing in my spiritual aspect, my spiritual journey, and then all that, all the different habits of health, which Optavia actually actively, um, addresses, I guess is the best word, because we know that just trying to change our behavior is not going to last. We have to change our underlying thoughts and feelings about things. And so I really respect the way the program is put together to address mindset. Mindset's a very big component. And so I started coaching a few friends about six weeks into my own journey. They saw I was making a difference and they wanted me to, to help them make a difference too in their own physical health. And then we've just journeyed together and I've, I've helped other people over the past almost four and a half years. And I've had a great time doing it. And I've been on more of a personal growth journey than I have probably the, the past 30 years combined um, by doing that. So the Enneagram is just something that I have found really interesting. And I have a fellow health coach, Ruth Ann, who is also interested in it. So we have studied it together and done a lot of talking. And I love your guys' podcast because it's given me a lot of great information about it um, in a very fun way. And so I thought today I would kind of go through the different types and talk about how each type may have uh, certain struggles or strengths on a health journey and how I would coach them because of their type. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask your type then? Did you? I'm a, I'm a one. Definitely. That's right. We talked about that before. (laughs) Yes. That's fine. (laughs) Well, of course you're looking for a pattern that works, right? So it's like the best way to do it is to find a pattern that works for everyone. So I love that approach. (laughs) Yes. And the mindset piece is important for everybody. I mean, some are going to have different 
facets of it. And I'm certainly not an Enneagram expert, but I, I do if my clients are willing to take an Enneagram quiz. And then we have had a lot of aha moments, a couple that I'll share today. And a lot of the coaches that are my partners in coaching have taken that too. And that's helped me know how to mentor them in their business. That's so good. If you've listened to our podcast, um, like you said, you have several episodes, um, then you probably know that we definitely started our inner work with emotions uh, and then kind of piled on the mind and are just now starting to talk about more embodiment practices in the last few months and really pulling the whole person in. So I kind of love that your journey took you with a different starting point. You kind of started with your body and then realized that it doesn't work as a silo, right? Like you need the mindset, you need the emotional granularity to kind of dig into the, you know, everything that's going on. And so it doesn't matter where our starting points are. I think it's important that we all come to that realization that we are a whole person, you know, body, soul, spirit, mind, all of that. So I, I love that you shared it that way. Cause I think that really ties into what we do. Right. And a lot of people come to me with weight loss as their first goal, just like, just like it was for me, but the ones who really do the best are the ones who embrace the whole picture. And, and work on that inner growth. I say we get, we get the physical transformation rolling because it's a simple routine that we do while, and then while it's kind of just running in the background, like a computer program, then we really dive into the head work and the heart work. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay. So what does this look like um, for each type? How, how would you approach an Enneagram one who comes to you with that goal? Okay. So as a one, this was something I could, I could relate to that type ones may turn to food to relieve the pressure of being perfect because we're trying to do everything perfectly, but they will usually eat in isolation to uphold that image of perfection. And then they're going to pile on a lot of guilt and shame. So totally that hit the nail on the head for me with my food journey. Um, so with coaching, um, I, I would tap into their drive to be efficient in that, Hey, we're going to get your health goals. We're going to get to that goal as quickly and efficiently as possible by staying consistent on this plan. So kind of giving up the control to the plan versus trying to tighten our control Mm -hmm. and then working, working with them about how this is going to be the most productive thing we can do, but, and emphasizing progress over perfection. That's really good. I feel that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I know one of the things that you've said before in any situation, Deidre, as a type one, is that accountability works for you. Like knowing that you're responsible for a, a part of something and to report back for it. So I can see how that would be a big, you know, thing for a one, two in this journey to have, to have a, a goal that they have to report on. It's not like all internally intrinsically motivated, but something to kind of report back on. <laughs> And right. And having able to do it without shame attached, like you said, it, like just remembering that we're just going to work a program. And so the progress is that you're doing the stuff and then the perfection is not the goal. So there's not as much shame if you mess up or if you don't see the results quickly enough or something like that. Yes. I like to emphasize in my first conversation with people when they're exploring this program that I provide accountability, but without shame, because if we could have all guilted and shamed ourselves into being healthy, we would have done it a long time ago. Right. 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 So true. What about a two? Going to a type two, they may turn to food when feeling unlovable and unwanted, and they may feel that asking for help is selfish. So to coach them, I would help them form a simple plan 
let them know that their coach and their community is there to help them be the most successful they can be on this journey. And so to lean in, we use that phrase a lot, lean into the community when people um, have a tendency to isolate or withdraw when they start struggling, we want, we need to do just the opposite. Type twos make great coaches because they're so encouraging. And I have two type twos on my team and they're fantastic. That's so good. We always yeah. need the thing that we first want to not do, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is that we're longing for, we always end up sabotaging it with our own means of accomplishing the, you know, fulfilling the longing. It's so crazy how we're wired. So that's really good to encourage them to lean into community and, and that their needs are important enough to voice to others. You mm-hmm. know? Right. Right. Yeah. And just feeling that security of belonging on that team, I think is going to keep a, a too motivated longer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've recently been reading some books about how transformation really happens through belonging and group identity, mm-hmm. not, um, getting information and then applying our willpower to it, which is what most of us think transformation that's how that really happens and so the belonging piece and the the safety in the belonging in our community is very important that we can not only voice our celebrations and our wins but also our struggles and know that this community is a safe place to do that and that there won't be judgment so a type three may turn to food to keep their blood sugar up while they accomplish and achieve because that's their driving force. So I know that if I am coaching them, I know they're going to work hard to achieve their goal, but I want to affirm their value as a person based just on who they are and not on their success on a program or meeting their goals. That's definitely important because I can also see where a three, if they don't see the results they want immediately, might just give up completely and go, well, if I can't do this the best, then I'm not going to do it. And so I think that like redirecting where the, their value is right from the onset is going to be a key for them. Mm-hmm. Or celebrating consistency in their, their daily action steps versus the results, because yeah. results are not always going to be on the scale. We, we celebrate what we call non-scale victories. You know, when that wedding ring goes back on easily or when the pants zip up easily, those are big wins. And so we really want to focus on those more than just the scale is just one, one measurement of our health, mm-hmm. but we, we get, we can tend to get very focused on it. And I think a type three, especially could. I also think that, um, one pitfall for them, they might achieve really quickly and well and get to that goal. But then just like all of us, you get what you think you need and it's, it doesn't actually fix the problem that got them there. Right. And so um, that's so good that you're encouraging them to, to do the daily things that no one sees, right. Those aren't, but there's value in that just because they love themselves enough to take care of themselves because otherwise they'll, maybe it's just like anything, you know, my threes that I know are performers, they finally get the big role, but it's like, okay, what's the next thing, you know? So it's good to keep reminding them that they're just loved for who they are as they take this journey. And the journey doesn't have this big celebratory um, ending necessarily. It's a lifelong thing, you know? Definitely. Uh, definitely. If, if we don't change our patterns or just daily habits, then we're not going to stay, you know, at that goal, whether that's a weight or a fitness goal or or whatever, it's continuing to do the daily work. And, and I really like that Optavia, our goal is to establish habits. I mean, our, one of our taglines is lifelong transformation, one healthy habit at a time. So Mm -hmm. it's not overwhelming with a ton of new habits all at once, but we really want to get them ingrained and get them in our brains as patterns that will run automatically. 
And it takes work to get to that point. Yeah, that's good. All right. I know Megan's waiting for the Enneagram 4. Yes, yes. And and I appreciate um, Megan's input on this um, when I had shared with you guys my thoughts about what we were going to talk about. So a type four may turn to food when their roller coaster of emotions becomes too much to handle or when they feel feelings of hopelessness or low self-worth and they can struggle with balance. So in coaching, um, we would definitely work on finding other ways of dealing with big emotions like self-quieting strategies, journaling, et cetera encouraging them to be open about their struggles. Again, in our community, we have a private Facebook page to find that they're not alone in these. Um, and I, I have found a lot of people get a lot of value out of that community we have in that, oh, so-and-so shared that they have a struggle when they go on vacation. Wow, that's always been hard for me too. But I like, you know, we also shared a strategy, you know, yeah. just finding those connections. And um, another thing I've read recently about connections and transformation when we do share the vulnerabilities. It's true. I, I just a few weeks ago, I actually started kind of logging. Um, okay. So the, I think there's like two different ways that I turn to like refined sugar, right? Like there's like our family has a dinner and then together we enjoy a dessert together. And I think that's like the healthy way to do it. Or there's, okay, I'm sitting in the middle of my living room and all of a sudden I need to go grab a cookie. What's hitting me. And so I've started logging those, like what emotion am I feeling when I think I need that? And it always comes down to loneliness or shame or longing or something like something that every four is going to hit up against multiple times a day. So what is it that I can do that's productive? And when I've like actually tracked that, then it's easier to go, Oh, well, let me just deal with the emotion. Then I don't need to go like put this temporary bandage on it. So I do think that like being more cognizant of my emotions and what they're hitting when and how they're informing any behavior, not just food, but any behavior of mine is just a key for a type four or anybody really, but specifically for. Yes, that's exactly what we want to do. We have what we, we call a habit loop where there's a cue, a routine oh. and a reward. And the cue could be, yeah, stress, loneliness, boredom. And if our routine, you know, for a lot of my clients is eating and then the reward is that, you know, for a while we feel better. And so it's, we still want to feel better. We still want that reward. So what other routine could yeah. we put in there? And I just ask people, are you willing to try something different? Are you willing to try, you know, whatever journaling, calling a friend, taking a walk, listening to music, getting busy with some household chores to keep you, you know, keep you busy, to keep you distracted and just try different things until you find the things that do work for you. You have to be willing to, to give it a try. Yeah. I think that's good. That's good. So a type five, they may turn to food as a reason to escape social situations or fuel them through long hours of thinking and analyzing, and they are not as likely to reach out for help. So for coaching, I would provide all the information that they want about their plan because they like to have all that info and help them set up a predictable pattern. And I would help them, I would help teach them how to use all of our resources more independently because they're going to stick to this plan. But they like, they like the independence of knowing where to find what they need versus texting their coach. And honestly, this is my goal for all of my clients. I, I don't want a hero coach. I don't want to be constantly answering texts about this or that detail. Um, but I think type fives are digging quicker to, to the resources and the charts and, you know, info that we have. That's good. I think that's good. And then like prioritizing that information for them, right? Like, okay, you've read all the things now let's prioritize what's the most important for 
this week for this first for the first month for whatever um, because sometimes prioritization for us doing repressed people can feel uh, a little bit difficult when everything is coming at us at once like we want all the information for fives and nines really you know in, in some sense but we also want to be told like how do you how do you figure out what the most important thing is to focus on first right because we we don't want to get overwhelmed and shut down with too much information yeah. because then people just sort of freeze and they don't know what to do with this. So definitely, yes, prioritize. Let's focus on this this week, giving them a baby step. Let's focus on this yeah. after we've got that habit rolling. That's good. So a type six may turn to food when they feel that the world is chaotic and untrustworthy because they can count on food to comfort them. Mm. Um, I have a client, Stacy. She discovered she's an Enneagram six. And she said she realized that she may put loyalty to other people above loyalty to her own goals. And had the example of eating something that someone made especially for her, but that was not on plan because she didn't want to hurt their feelings. So when coaching, um, we give sixes a structured plan and that that they can rely on and get them in a community of reliable people. And then we coach them on how to tell the people in their world about their goals. So they are not likely to be taken surprised with uh, gifts of food. Sixes make great coaches. And I have two sixes on my team. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely, I could see that even with a, with a two as well, right? Like you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You want to people please by yes. joining in on what others are doing or whatever. So I, for both of those types, I think that would be a pitfall to watch for. Right. So as people approach family gatherings and vacations and such to let other people know, Hey, I'm working on a healthy eating habits. And so, you know, can I help choose the restaurants or, you know, Maybe you can even just ask, Hey, I know that we normally eat this or that. Can we, can we put that to the side? Or can you just, if I don't eat it, please don't be offended. I'm just really working on some goals right now. Yeah. Giving them language. That's, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. That would help. So me too. I'd be worried about doing like offending someone. I want to do the right thing. Sure. You know? Yeah, so I think absolutely. Just giving, I mean, nobody wants. You kind of know you're going into these scenarios, right? Like giving us equipping us with the language to deal with what we know is going to happen at some point, there's going to be a birthday party or whatever or vacation. How do we handle yep. that? So I think that's right great. on our, we have a, a Wednesday night community zoom and as, especially as holidays approach, we usually address that topic a lot. How are we going to yeah. navigate Thanksgiving weekend? How are we going to navigate getting through, you know, the Christmas holidays? And it all starts with asking yourself, what's my desired outcome at the other end of that? Do I want, you know, to have continued on my weight loss journey? Do I want to just maintain? Do I want to not worry about it? And then working backwards from that goal to figure out how am I going to strategize through these things? Because nobody wants to miss out, you know, on anything. So it's just, you know, again, there's no shame in what your choice is. It's your choice. And I'm just going to help guide you with either the language to tell people about it or getting some strategies and some plans in place before you enter that situation. And then my clients become more and more independent about that as they yeah. go on. That's kind of good. This is a terrible story. I don't even want to tell it. We, we kind of had a rule for a while, um, especially <laughs> when we were like, like hardcore on a health journey together that calories don't count on vacation or when traveling, <laughs> which I still appreciate that rule. But then it turned out that both of us got jobs and stuff where we travel a lot together. <laughs> like, like this year, I think it was once a month we were like gone together. And when calories don't count that often, it doesn't really help. <laughs> you can, you can set back a lot of progress in a week, weekend of traveling. That's true. It's so true. <laughs> 
So a type seven may turn to food to increase pleasure and avoid pain of negative feelings, which honestly anybody could do, but uh, I think sevens are especially prone to this and also to avoid depending on anyone else. And they need to be truly inspired to make habit changes. So in coaching them, I would help them really dig into their why. This is a big deal in our community because a lot of us might have a health goal because we know we should get healthier or, you know, a doctor has told us we should lose weight or we should get our blood pressure down, but really we've got to have a why for, for approaching this. So I would especially help with help type seven do that. Um, their why for making changes and then suggesting that they post them as reminders to themselves, um, on a mirror, on a refrigerator, on a steering wheel, on a lock screen of your phone, you know, having your why written out where it's just reminding you, it's just a gentle reminder all day that why you are doing this, why you're working on these habit changes, which our brains so resist. I mean, it's, it's hard to make a change. And then I would have them help make their nutrition plan and ask them to contribute ideas to the community, um, to keep them connected with the other people. Yeah, they would flourish in a leadership uh, kind of way that I think that way that would help keep them inspired. Right. And, and people naturally rise up in our community as, oh, this is the person who makes fantastic lean and green meals and posts about them all the time. So I know I can go to that person and ask them questions or, you know, this is the person that's always posting those encouraging memes or even the funny ones. You know, I, I love just how our group has come together and, um, has just everybody's strengths, you know, feeds in and, and helps each other in different ways. It's a very diverse group. So a a type eight, these people need goals to accomplish and they may turn to food for excessive physical satisfaction or because they feel that the world is not trustworthy. So in coaching them, I would help them set long-term goals and then reverse engineer those into short-term benchmarks to make it seem more doable. Um, I would be very straightforward about what needs to be done and building trust through support is important with these guys. And so I have an eight on my team. She's a coach and she is great because she just lays it out for her clients. She doesn't mince words. Um, some people receive that well, other people need a little gentler edge, you know, but she is so good. I remember she has said that she'll, she'll tell friends, okay, I'm your friend yesterday and I'm going to be your friend tomorrow, but today I'm your health coach. So I'm going to tell you what needs to get done. And I think that's great because she's protecting the friendship, but she's also not going to dance around, you know, what they need to hear to keep making progress. (laughs) Yeah. And eights aren't really going to deal with that, like shame factor as much as other numbers would either. So like setbacks to them are just like, okay, that's another obstacle to overcome. It doesn't like get them all in their feels like it might a one or a four or a two or any other number really. (laughs) That's, that's a definite strength in, in trying to make a change. Mm -hmm. So then type nines, they may turn to food to distract themselves, to numb out and avoid conflict and reclaim a sense of peace. Because, you know, when our blood sugar goes up, it does feel good. I have a nine on my team. Um, in coaching, they are easily overwhelmed. So help them find a simple plan and simple recipes to stay on track. Walk them through their journey one step at a time. So I have a client, Christina, and when she discovered that she's an Enneagram nine and she read that description, she realized that she didn't want to be the person who is demanding about where to eat or what to order. So she Mm -hmm. lets situations throw her off her plan because she wants to conform to what everybody else is doing. She wants to keep that peace. But once she realized this, she said she was willing to start speaking up when a certain restaurant was not going to work for her and suggest a different place. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that we say when we teach about nines is that they will go along with what everyone else is doing until they won't, like until they have that thing that they are willing to kind of die on a hill for, right? Like that stubborn thing that won't get them off the fence. And I think if if they can understand that about themselves and put that language to it in this kind of journey, then this can be that thing for them, right? Right, right. And I think just overall, my clients who have dug into the Enneagram and, and looked at that, it just builds their, their self-awareness. And, yeah. you know, like I said, they have these, oh, that's why I have such a hard time sticking to a plan because I'm easily swayed by this or that. Mm-hmm. And then they can, they can figure out, or we can figure out together how to navigate that and make things stay more consistent. So they get, get where they want to go. So I didn't know, did you want me to tell you a little bit about how I see IFS playing into this? Yes. I love that. Let's do it. All yeah, these like you're on top of each other so beautifully. I know. Well, it's so interesting so how, how these things have come into my life. So I think the great thing about um, the internal family systems model is that it helps leave the guilt and shame behind when parts of you feel the need to hold on to old habits. It gives them a space and a voice and it allows them to heal. Mm. So um, when I have cravings now, because I still do, I, I can try and figure out which part is wanting that food and why and bring that part to Jesus if I will take the time to do so. And I realized yeah. looking back that other strategies that I, I guess, was unwilling to use, it was because it took time. And I, I was like, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just going to you know cram this food in my mouth and keep going. But now if I will take the time and I even have to ask myself, Suzanne, are you willing? Because then mm-hmm. it really brings it up to am I or am I not? And if the answer is no, then I can dig into that and kind of try to figure out why. Um, but yeah, if you're willing to take the time and, and get quiet and listen to that part and figure out, like you said, Megan, what is it that I'm really wanting? And then address yeah. that in a, in a better, in a better way and bring it to Jesus. Cause Jesus obviously can, you know, he can bring, he can meet all the needs. He can meet all the needs. So, um, I, something interesting, I heard that when one guardian or you guys call them firefighters, protectors, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. protectors. um, cause this other this other um, model that I've been in, it doesn't use exactly all the same language, but it's basically the same thing. But when a protector finds something tangible that works to relieve pain, other protectors often pick up on that same behavior. Yeah. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, oh, great. How many different parts do I have in there to, <laughs> who want to eat food, you know, when, and yeah. at wrong times? Mm, so that's, um, oh, that's really good. I need to, I want to explore that a little bit more. I haven't thought about it that way. I've thought like, oh, there's one there's one part of me that does this and there's one part of me that does this. Right. But I have never thought about it being like a similar type of output among different uh, protectors before. So. And I don't remember where I heard that, but it makes sense, you know, that that inside once something works, you know, I mean, because we see that in our actual physical family, if we tend to turn to food, our kids will tend to turn to food, you know, or if we tend to numb out by watching TV, our kids will tend to numb out. So it makes sense that the, the in, inner parts of us follow each other when they find yeah. something that quote works, which we know it doesn't, but it seems to. So yeah, I just tell people when, when you're trying to change your habits, your parts will have a lot of conversations in your head. <laughs> and if you tune into those, you can learn a lot. Part of you wants to stick to the plan and crush the goal. Part of you wants comfort from your addictive food. Part of you wants to reach out for help in, a, in the moment, in the hard times. Another just wants to be left alone to eat. And so trying to give those parts space and listen and really dig into the, what's going on underneath, um, it, it can just be so, 
freeing mm-hmm. um, and just very helpful for, to you to get to the underlying reason that the food has become a problem in the first place. And yeah, you're just like reading my mail inside my brain, <laughs> all of these parts. <laughs> and they work together sometimes. It's like my sister had twins and she used to say to them when they were like two and learning how to crawl and get into things, you know, use your powers for uh, good and not evil twins. Come on. (laughs) I feel like our parts kind of, they gang up on some of us sometimes, you know, like, no, I want to make this change. And they're like, yeah, but remember this. And what about that? And boy, we just have all these conversations going on. It's so, it's really good. That's really good. A piece of information to overlay with all of this um, because we are more than um, just, we're more than just our thoughts, you know, like we, I, I think to myself, I want to do this, but then we have all of this other input coming in internally and externally through our senses and the images that our mind is filled with. Um, we got to do something with all of that. You know, we can't just push through by the sheer willpower because that willpower is only powered by one part of me. <laughs> so how many other parts right. of me are saying, no, eat the cookie anyway, you know, I need to talk to all those parts that are saying the cookie is the thing. <laughs> And, and we are really, our society is built up around food mm-hmm. in unhealthy ways. Um, I've, you know, if you look in the Bible, people, God set up food to be used as a way of connect, you know, gatherings. And, you know, you look at the, the Jewish holidays and how they were told to prepare certain foods. Those foods became tradition and important to them. And that, that there's nothing wrong with that, but we have elevated certain foods too. Well, it's just not Christmas if we don't have grandma's pecan pie or something like that, you know, and so much the fear of missing out. And then, you know, even a church potluck is a massive amount of food. And if you don't have a plate weighted down with everybody's something or other, you know, you wonder about offending people and, and it's, it's tough, you know, we really are up against a powerful force out there. And the food producers know exactly what to put in foods like fast foods to make it addictive. And, you know, these people, a lot of people run through drive-thrus every single day. They just can't seem to break out of that rut because that food feed, you know, becomes an addiction in our body. So then you've got that, what I call the double barreled shotgun. You've got the emotional eating part and the food addiction part. And it's, it takes a lot of work to break out of that, but it's not impossible. This might be a little off topic, but I've been playing with the idea of doing an Enneagram series on like scarcity mindset for each type, because I think that scarcity is a a thing everyone deals with. And I wonder how much food plays a part for all of us in that scarcity mindset of uh, when we feel a lack somewhere, that's a really accessible way to fill, right? Like more than maybe finances would be or vacation or people, you know, food, food's a little bit more accessible and, and, and convenient for a lot of people. So I think, I think that scarcity mindset that we all have in some capacity plays a part. That would be really interesting. One thing I, I discovered about myself a couple of years ago was that I am anxious or maybe scared to feel hunger. Or, I mean, I don't like it because it's physically uncomfortable, but I had a tendency anytime I was just going to go out and run a few errands to eat before I did that, just in case, just in case I got hungry. <laughs> And once I realized that I thought, okay, Suzanne, what would be the horrible thing about getting hungry while you're running errands? You know, one, yeah, food is pretty much easily accessible. I could go get something. I could bring something healthy with me. I can wait 30 minutes until I get home. It's not going to kill me. You know, I mean, normal people deal with hunger. It's just, it's just a physical sensation in my body. I'm not sure why I really ran from and tried to prevent it so much, but I realized that was a pattern going on there. That's interesting because I think we all are very afraid to have any kind of longing exposed 
you know, that's emotionally, we do that too. We try to figure out how to not live with the hunger or the pain of the unfulfilled longing in any way. So I think that's someone, I don't remember who it was. It was a book recommended to me a long time ago about fasting, why it's a good spiritual practice to remind ourselves that there are some things we can't fill on our own. Like it, it's a reminder that we, it turns us to the Lord when the hunger is exposed or when the longing to belong, the longing to be loved, the longing to be nourished in any way is exposed. I think that's a really beautiful, like these two things, our body reminds us of what the spiritual truths are, you know? They go I think God has used this particular struggle in my own life to, I don't want to say force, but, you know, really teach me that I ha- cannot lean on my own power. You know, I have to lean on him for this because I have tried and tried and tried and tried under my own will to fix this problem. And it just, it would temporarily, but I just couldn't sustain it. So really just, you know, the, the recovery model of acceptance and turning over control to God, that really helped me as a piece of my journey also. And I even do that on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm like, help me not try to tighten my fist around and control my world and my food more, but help me just let go and let go of this control and let this plan that I have that is simple and easy. Let me just follow it. Let me just trust it. That's good. Versus looking for loopholes (laughs) because we have a tendency to look for, (laughs) well, if I eat this, is that going to count? You know, and we, we try to finagle it. I'm just, just keep it simple and let go. And you know, more, I tell people one thing that really helped me through the, the harder times was asking myself, is this worth, you know, a a backslide on my program. Is this worth setting myself back three, four days? Um, And a lot of times that time issue, it would help me say, no, it's not worth that. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people respond more to, you know, finance, financial, is it worth, you know, investing in this program another four extra days to be set back with this? You know, you have to figure out what's making you, what's driving you, what's making you tick. And I would tell myself, okay, I'm choosing not to eat this pizza, cupcakes, whatever, right now, right now, because I have goals I want to get to, but in the future, I will occasionally have this. So, you know, not making any food totally forbidden because that just makes it more desirable or, you know, saying that I'm never going to get to eat this again, because that that's just right now, that's too hard for me to face. There might be some things that I choose not to in the long run, but I'm not going to say never. That's good. That's balanced. Sounds like a balanced way to live your life. (laughs) I don't really know that I kind of go swinging from one extreme to another. So probably good to find the middle there and understand with wisdom that you can have a volition about it. You can make choices that are, have wisdom behind them instead of emotional hyperbole. (laughs) Right. Right. And there are things I have found that I really have a hard time stopping when I start. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some sort of boundary around it, like buying individually packaged portions of things helps me do that a little bit, um, or only eating certain foods, like when I'm out at a restaurant, but not keeping them in my house. That's definitely a boundary I've found with several foods. That's good. It's, it's like, we want to, and I'm speaking as a four, but we all want to think we're these really complex, mysterious people, but in terms like it, we, it, when it boils down to it, it's so simple, right? We just, you're boiling this down to going, Hey, just figure out what, what's driving you. And now let's make patterns around like, knowing that about ourselves. So it really is as simple as that. And then as complex as what does that mean for each individual person? So I don't know. I like that you're boiling this down to the roots of everything. This is like the most 
accessible health talk I've heard in a very long time. So I appreciate that. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yes. And like I said, the people who are willing to go there with me and really look under that and just take the time because it does take time. You have to stop and, and let the world quiet down around you and, and really start being more introspective. Um, but the people who are willing to do that really do the best, really do the best because they're, they're bringing in the health on the mind, body, spirit all together and, and really making it about becoming a whole healthier person, not just, you know, fitting back into the size tens or whatever they want. That's good. Well, as we finish today, uh, how can people connect with you? Um, in your show notes, can you put my email address? That of would course. probably be the easiest thing if they would yeah. just like to email me and then we'll set up a time to talk. Um, I call it just, it's, it's just an explore call. It, they, I love to hear about what people's goals are. What are they looking to create in their health? What are their current health habits like? That helps me know which of our nutrition plans would be the best fit. And I can share the, all the details with them. And then we can move forward if they're interested. That's great. And that, that, that health assessment call is absolutely free. Happy to do that. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Like Megan said, you just made this very um, accessible. It feels less daunting to think about. <laughs> We're just, I'm just continuing the inner work and it's going to have an external expression. And that feels like something, you know, I can wrap my head around. So hopefully our listeners are walking away today with a little bit more positive view of how they can make some changes in their own health journey as well. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, having me on. I hope I've added some value to your listeners. And I, again, I really enjoy listening to your podcast and I'm looking forward to the other ones you said you might be doing. Um, around health and yeah. Enneagram IFS, how they all lay together. Yep. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We are on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries. Our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace, and you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.